is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups Podcast. And my guest today is Letitia Segla. Letitia, thank you for joining us. Hi, Kevin. Thank you very much. Hello to the audience as well. I'm very excited to join. Well, please share with our listening audience, who is Letitia Segla? Okay, so I am an independent consultant and I provide various services to organizations, mainly within the banking sector. Uh Um, So predominantly business management, which includes risk, regulation, compliance. um, And within that space, I then work with their technology teams in terms of how they can implement technology to address those issues. Um, And I also work as an independent expert with the European Commission and work with them in the same vein in terms of, you know, policies around innovation, risk compliance within the financial sector. So in other words, uh, let me translate. So you're a classic underachiever and um, <laughs> and you, you you have a lot of spare time on your hands. I wow, <laughs> what a bio. <laughs> We're going to have to list that in the show notes. Our, our listening audience would love to see that on, on paper to see exactly what, what all that entails. But so do you work mainly with the, the European Commission more or are you working more in in within the banking industry within the UK? So I work predominantly UK. Um, and in my role, so I'd say that takes up probably about 80% of my time. And then 20% of that time, I work with the European Commission, um, looking at things like, you know, their policy instruments for, you know, the sector, uh-huh. um, giving monitoring and evaluation in terms of um, what the policies have been drafted, what they mean, the implications. So basically working with them as an industry practitioner, giving right. them feedback in terms of their policies, what it actually means for the industry, okay. um, any pain points it may cause, etc. So it the the internet blipped just a tiny bit on your the very, very first part of your answer. You said so. Eighty percent is mainly in the UK. Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was trying to add, put that math together. So <laughs> now nobody wakes up as a consultant. So kind of what was the pathway leading you? Like like what did you study in, at uni? How did you get mm. when you came out? What did what did what was the pathway that you walked? You know, going from uh, you know university to where you are today. Yeah. I mean, it was a long drawn path, um, (laughs) to be honest with you. And um, I mean, you know, for the essence of time, I'd say going back to university, I actually wanted to be a a neuroscientist. And I needed to work in order to finance my, my, you know, my education, and my living costs. So, you know, looked for jobs, happened to get a job in banking. And then when I finished my degree, I actually had more experience in banking than I did in the medical side sure. of things. Um, so then it made sense to, you know, kind of continue that that career trajectory. But somehow I knew inside myself that, you know, I'm a humanitarian. I like social um, humanities, social studies, etc. But I'm also quite business savvy as mm-hmm. well. So it made sense um, to move into that. And, you know, within banking, I I worked very much in roles where it was thinking about consumer finance, behavioral finance, behavioral economics. So in a way, I was able to use my, you know, my background in psychology and sociology in that space. Um, But I always had this burning desire that I wanted to start a business. Mm -hmm. 
And unfortunately, I'm not one of these people who, you know, have an amazing idea like Facebook or Twitter and, you know, just invent something. So I had a journey where I was gaining experience through my profession and then some part around the middle of, of, of my um of my career background, there was quite a lot of restructuring for the organization I was working for at the time. And I had an opportunity to work on a project where they were building out new branches of, of the bank across locations in the Middle East and Africa. Okay. And working in that role made me realize that I really had a burning desire to do something for myself, you know, um, being in the field, you know, starting things from scratch. So after the, the project, I took the opportunity to move on and started contracting and from contracting that led to my consultancy Mm -hmm. and I found that there was a gap in the market where a lot of transformation change business change projects were working either with life consultants like your usual you know PWCs KPMGs right um they were career consultants but not necessarily practitioners and I was a practitioner I'd work within a, a, a specialized role a technical role and there was a lot of regulatory change taking place at that time. So there was an opportunity to come on board and consult these organizations and be able to provide that technical experience as well. Sure. So it was, it was you know, based on your background for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was a mixture of timing, you know, the background and also, you know, what happened to me, you know, a restructure. And with that, you know, came, um, I know people don't like this word, but a redundancy. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, often, in the States, we call it layoff. A layoff, yes, <laughs> a layoff. Yes. Um, and it was voluntary uh, because, you know, I could have taken it, but I could have stayed on mm-hmm. and tried to find something else. But I felt like something just felt right about taking the redundancy. And I didn't know what it was, and I didn't have any plans, you know, but I took it and it felt right. And in the six months it took me to self-reflect and think about what I wanted to do, I then came up with the idea for my consultancy and with a mixture of, you know, what was happening in the market um, and my availability as well. Uh I mean, often, often like the redundancy packages, though, carry you, you know, three to six months. So you kind of have that window of time, thankfully, to to, you know, make some of those, those life, those, those pivot decisions that you had to make. So I, I want to go back just a second to something you said a minute ago about uh, the, the, you know, PwC or KPMG, the, the career consultant. Um, I think in some ways that's almost an oxymoron <laughs> where you, <Yeah. laughs> if you have a career consultant, because it seems like they will only ever have half the picture. You know, yeah. they, they will only understand the, the basic tenets of consultancy, but they may not understand the, the tenets of, of being a practitioner. Mm. And that's that's why, mm. you know, you can look back and, and you know, so many of our episodes uh, during the interview, we, we come to this conclusion that, you know, nothing in your past is wasted in your future. Mm. You know, everything is kind of building into this beautiful mosaic, this picture of what your future looks like. And it sounds like to me that, that uh, you know, working through the bank... I, you may not want to mention this, but but I'm guessing was this like H, HSBC was the bank you were working for, or? Um, when I left, it was actually J.P. Morgan. Okay, because yeah. I when we we lived in the Middle East for just a short time, and and actually we we had HSBC there, and I knew that they had a strong presence in in that part of the world. But it's a mm. 
interesting that the banking sector in the UK is is uh, extremely complex. So you yes. you <laughs> you have a you have a, a work ahead of you for sure. Let me also ask you. So while you were working in for this for the banking company, mm-hmm. were there consultants that 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 bank hired that you kind of saw how they did their role, how they worked on contract? Did that kind of help you? determine how you would be how you would do this as a consultant yeah absolutely I mean I you know my comment about um, career consultants I hope that's not taken in you know any kind of derogatory light no I used it that Um, way no 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 because you know I think sometimes when we talk about other professionals sometimes people think you're being you know critical and by no means am I being critical about that um my point was that you know that technical industry experience isn't always there but that creates an opportunity for people like me to step in but what I lacked was this ability to sell myself and consultants are brilliant at that you know they talk to people all the time they're selling themselves all the time you know they're speaking to stakeholders presenting results so they're very good at self-promotion and that's something that I didn't have because I was a subject matter expert. Sure. I was siloed. I was good at, you know, yeah. my data, so on and so forth. So looking at these consultants and seeing the way that they engaged with the stakeholders, looking at the way that they presented information. Mm, right. And they presented themselves made me think, actually, that's probably what I need to work on the most. Um, and then saying that as well, there's that side of things, but also consultants, they know best practice because it's their job, it's exactly. their industry to know best practice. Exactly. So from that, I But across like, the board. Exactly. Not necessarily industry specific, but across the board, they would know. Yeah, that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I felt like those are really important skills, you know, self-promotion um, and then also knowing best practice. So I had a lot of work to do. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, it's still a work in progress. And Aren't we I all? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't want to, you know, kind of idealize my journey um, because I think often people see where someone is now, but they don't necessarily know all the intricate details of that journey. And there were fears in that journey. There are still fears now. Sure. You know, being made redundant, thinking, okay, yes, I have six months severance package, but what next? Mm -hmm. You know, and when when you don't have an income for a period of time, you realize, oh, my gosh, you know, this this is dwindling, actually, what I do have. I mean, six months sounds like a long time until you're actually in the middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there was a lot of work to do in terms of how do I survive? Do I sink or swim? Right. And for me, you know, that was the greatest thing about overcoming that period is, is just thinking about how do I formalize my fears? You know, mostly for most people, when you want to leave a, a profession to start your own business sure. or you want to start a business, you know, from whatever stage you are in life, the biggest thing is fear. We're going to um, drill down on that in just a minute. Yes. Yes. Great. So we're going to drill down. <laughs> we're going to drill down even deeper in, in that, that transformation, but the so what I wanted to do is circle back. When did you start? When did you transition into consultancy? So that was 2012. Okay. Um, so, so you've been independent had... for six years virtually. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, and I mean, it's, 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 it's tough. That transition is tough because 
I'd always, I guess for a period of time, I'd had permanent jobs Mm -hmm. and I'd got used to, you know, that kind of infrastructure. Um, And then I suddenly had to learn again that being a consultant, you're constantly pitching for things, for example, you know, why self-promotion was important for me, learning from the consultants that um, I'd worked with previously um, that were brought in by, by, by my employer it made me realize that you constantly have to sell yourself every right, single opportunity right. you have to self promote or, and it can be done subtly. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be the hard sell, but because you need to create that new job for yourself or that new source of income for yourself, you constantly have to be in business development mode. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, you mentioned that one thing that you're learning from the, the PWCs and KPMGs is, how, how can you sell yourself? And I think, you know, there's really two prongs. I mean, you've got, you've got the, the promotional marketing side of things, but you've also got the, the, um, I guess the, the product of your service. So what have you done in the, in the past that you can show in your portfolio that is a benefit to someone, you know, moving forward? So it's, it's words you say, but it's also work you've produced, you know, historically. So, since you started your consultancy, tell me, what would you say would be the lowest point that you've, that you've struggled with? The lowest point? Um, I mean, there's been a few. <laughs> Which one do I pick? <laughs> um, the lowest point, I would say, is just trying to find out, you know, what my niche is. Um, what is my USP? Right. And... Sometimes there's a lot of noise within a space. So, for example, if you looked at look at things like LinkedIn and you look at people who have got similar job titles mm-hmm. like you, you can start to compare and think, oh, they have this, you know, they do this, this, that, and the other. But you have to almost shut out that noise and just focus on actually, what am I good at? What do I, what do I really enjoy? And you know, what could I improve? And then create a portfolio of work around that. So, you know, things that you really love and enjoy, maybe it might be writing articles and applying that to how you can write articles which sell your sure. business right. or sell your services, etc. Right. So it's it's figuring out, I'd say that's part of the lowest point is figuring out, you know, how you can market yourself, what are your skills, um, what competition is out there but not feeling intimidated by mm-hmm. that competition, rather feeling like you also have your space, you know, within the field and people like choice, you know, companies like choice, clients like choice. So right. even if there are competitors, right. you are still a good enough choice for them. You offer something which is great. Well, you've shown that. I mean, if you've, if you've survived for six years, you've shown that, that somehow you, you have walked through the valley of your lowest point and, so now that leads us to segue into the, our, our next. What's your? What do you think has been your highest high since you started your consultancy? Um, my highest, I would say, is yeah, getting this role um, with the European Commission, um, which was completely, you know, out of nowhere. And I think I had done something pro bono at some point. Um, and those people who, you know, I worked with, one of them recommended me because, you know, they were working with the commission. Right. So for me, that was a high point um, because it just goes to show that you don't know where your opportunity will come from. And sometimes, you know, when you are independent, 
getting an income is really important, right? Mm. Having that nest egg is important. And sometimes you can maybe dismiss the pro bono things, right? But you have to be strategic about what you do do yeah. pro bono yeah. because yeah. they might bring you bigger and better opportunities. So oh, that was a it is a part. step leading to something else. Did, so did they approach you or did you approach them for this role? So they approached me. And they approached See, me. See, that's even of, better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's certainly a good form of validation. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I, absolutely. I, I love that. I love that. So, so when... In the, in the six years that you've been doing this, I mean, there are things that, that I think rise to the top. So what would you say would be your, your two biggest pain points or obstacles that you face on an ongoing basis in your business that, that our listeners may be able to speak into? I mean, we have a wide variety of, of listening audience, you know, wide amount of experience. We have consultants. We have, you know, I started my company yesterday um, and everything in between. So... So what would you say would be one or two really uh, extreme obstacles or pain points that you face? Mm. Um, I would say first and foremost, it's yourself, your own fears, um, as, as I highlighted before. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it can feel more rational than other times. But I think you have to take a step back and think, actually, if this worst case scenario that I imagine was to happen you know, how would I cope? How would I survive? And actually, we have all the tools to be able to survive. You know, the human spirit has that. Either it's, mm-hmm. it's I don't know, losing a client and having to find another client. You will find a way to survive. We have that survival instinct. So, so drill say, down a little bit. So, so fear of fill in the blank specifically. I'm afraid, I would be afraid of... Yeah, I'd be afraid of losing a client and therefore losing my income. Um, or the business afraid... failure as a whole? Or are you talking yes, about more exactly. specifics? That, okay. could that, that, that could be it as well. Um, I think initially in the beginning, I felt like the business failure as a whole was the biggest obstacle, the sure. biggest pain point. Yeah. But then that may have when abated start... over time, yeah. Exactly. When the but EU I, comes calling, that, that, that probably helps abate that fear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> no worries. Um, but then you get these, you know, kind of subsets of fears as well. Sure. Um, so I think fear is the biggest thing. Um, I think also, and again, it relates to fear. It's networking. I think some people mm-hmm. are afraid of networking or they don't know how. Um and it's i've learned over time that it's something very natural you know it's always a case of speaking to someone as if they're your best friend for example um and for me i'm i'm kind of i have i'm in the middle i'm an introvert extrovert so for me i'm not fully extroverted where i can just bound into a room mm-hmm. and just be like oh hey here i am you know <laughs> talk to me um i'm a little bit shy so it's figuring out again you know, around my personality, what tools work with me, right? What do I feel comfortable with when I walk into a room full of people? Um, How do I network with them? And then the other pain point I'd say is team building as well. It's really difficult to actually build a team around you. Um, And many of those difficulties may come from things like living in London where it's such a transient place, sure. people move around all the time. Yeah. So 
you might find the perfect person, but it may not be for for a while. Um, sorry, it may not be for you know as as long as you would have liked. Right. Um, and then of course, you know, actually managing people, working with people, motivating people. So things like that are pain mm-hmm. points, and I and I think when you come from a large organization, you know, you know that you learn how to work with people, you learn how to negotiate with people um, and agree on things. But when you suddenly have to work on your own and you have to build a team from scratch, you know, it's actually difficult to take yourself outside of your own little bubble and think about who do I need? What do I need them for? What kind of skills? So building a team around you and your business can be a pain point as well. Uh, Absolutely. And that one comes up fairly frequently in our interviews um, about teaming and about even delegating work. Uh, and it, it all stems, I think, from the same kind of root cause. So with your specific consultancy, are you like a solo um, consultant or do you have a team that is actually hired within the consultancy or do you outsource and, and partner with and share services? Or how does that, how does the structure work with your, with your company? So I'm a solo consultant, but I work with various partners mm-hmm. um, so that I can, I can have the flexibility, you know, as part of a consortium. Sure. Um, but I work predominantly on my own um, in order to pitch for certain p- projects. Mm-hmm. But then I work with my partners in order to also co-pitch for, for projects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have such a secretarial accounting, um, etc. Right. So when you work for a for a client, are you on site primarily with them? Do you they have okay, here's your designated cubicle office space or is your office like the tube in Starbucks? I mean, how <laughs> how, is, how does this normally work? I mean, do you have an op- a dedicated space? Do you uh, or is it primarily you just go from contract to contract and work in their locations? Yeah, so actually it's a mixture of, of all of those. Um, it depends on the contract that I have at the time. Uh-huh. So, for example, the current contract that I have with the corporate bank, I work on site with them um, and I go to their you know, offices, etc. and I have a dedicated desk. But I may also get other roles where it's more remote, right. um, where I don't need to be, I can be location independent. Sure. And therefore, we'll be, you know, working in, in Starbucks yeah. um, or the yeah. local, local coffee shop. Exactly. And it, it's funny, actually, because yesterday on the BBC, um, our TV channel, major mm-hmm. TV channel here, they were talking about how long is it, how, how appropriate is it to stay in a coffee shop and work, you know, as a freelancer. <laughs> because <laughs> That's right. are complaining, you know, that exactly. you know, freelancers come and they buy the one coffee. That's and right. <laughs> you've been here for six hours and you've, you've bought the smallest coffee on the menu. Yeah. I, about two days a week, I, Starbucks is my office. So, um, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they probably would prefer that I buy more than, than I actually do. So, well, as we're heading kind of toward the, the latter part of our interview today, we want to drill down a little bit and just get to know you a little better and just, just, uh, kind of get inside your head just a little bit on the, an area that we actually call kind of a life quad area that, so it's four mm-hmm. questions that are a little more drilled down specific about you. So who do you follow online that, that really inspires you and why? 
Yes, so um, I follow a, a professor called Indubwisi Ikekwe. Uh -huh. um, You're going to have to spell that in my show notes. You're going to have to send me a note on that one. <laughs> yes, I will, I will certainly send you the link to that. Um, and he's an entrepreneur and scholar. Um, he's quite prominent within the States and Nigeria. Uh -huh. And he was a an electrical engineer, and then he became a banker, and then a professor. And like you, another classic under, <laughs> underachiever. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, I really like him. Um, I really like the content that he posts because it's always so informative. It's always so well thought out, so well researched, mm. but it's also easy to digest as well. So, you know, when we think professor, you know, we think high academics, yeah. um, you know, high research, but because he's got this background of, working in business and is now a professor he knows how to mix you know the more intellectual side of the topic with mm -hmm. the practical side yeah. and i absolutely love his post because it's always on point um and i can give you an example of um, the kind of things that he posts so let's let's have a look uh, da, 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 da. and we can we can add that in the show notes as well if you send me that link. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll make sure that I do. Um, sorry, my internet is quite slow at the moment. Yeah, but he'll, he'll talk about things like, um, so fees in, in banking, uh -huh. why it's driving traditional banking to lose their customers. And why fintech is is, is working sure. for you know for customers, yeah. but it's well thought out, um, and he really shows you know good examples. And I mean, why for me he's really someone important that I follow is because I think he's a thought leader. He he you know he he knows his subject. It's well researched. It's appropriate to the channel as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's always interesting because I feel like I learn a lot from, from what he says. So it's, yeah, exciting. I actually wait for his post. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a special life quote that, uh, that you like to, you try to fashion your life after? Um, like I would say, I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of quotes out there, but you know, I have something for myself, which is that the greatest power that you can have in any situation is the power to walk away. Mm. Um, because, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Because I think for me, it makes me realize that I am empowered in every single situation, you know, that, that life brings to you. Um, and you have that power to just take a step back and just look at it and just analyze and reflect and just think, ah, oh, you know, can I continue in this way or shall I continue in that way or just discontinue, you know, altogether? So for me, that keeps me going a lot. That is uh, that quote is so powerful for for especially a solo entrepreneur, one that's, that's even getting started. I mean, you mentioned earlier in our interview about uh, one thing that you struggle with early was was trying to figure out your niche. And I mean, that's almost counterintuitive to somebody trying to get started. And you probably struggled with that. You think, okay, I've got to have business. So I, I have to have business from a broad 
you know, mm. variety of clientele here. So I, cause I just need business right now, but really it's the counterintuitive part is that when you niche down that you really more separate yourself from the, from the competition and you clearly identify who you are and what the service you're trying to provide. So, um, that, that is such sage advice. So speaking of advice, so if you could go back six years and I know you've learned a lot in the last six years, but if you could give yourself one succinct piece of advice, what would you tell yourself six years ago? I would say that the, what you fear is not as great as the fear itself. And you have the tools to digest that fear into smaller parts and tackle those smaller parts. Eat the proverbial elephant one bite at a time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that. Well, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed our time today. And, and um, I mean, one of the pain points you mentioned was, was like networking and, and putting yourself out there. But, I mean, you're extremely articulate. And I think you, you have a, have a very strong presence. So what, I mean, I, that, that to me is, is almost counterintuitive. I mean, I think you've done extremely well today and, and I'm, I'm really grateful for you taking the time and sharing with our audience. And I think that they're, they're going to be well impressed as the Brits would say of, with your, uh, <laughs> with your experience with the European commission. And, and, uh, is there anything, anything that you wanted to add that I have not touched on that you think would be just a help to our listening audience and, and then I'm going to wrap up by asking how we can find you. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So just going back to that fear again, and the reason I keep mentioning it is just because it is a real thing that, you know, is a part of life. Yeah. Um, but the way I have worked or I've learned to work with those fears is, as I say, to dissect them and then think practically about how do you actually resolve them at each point and then you start to realize that actually the sum of all of my fears is it's not that great. Mm. And I either have the tools or the network or the people around me to be able to help me cope, you know, when as and when I think this will happen. So you are more capable of overcoming those fears than you think you are. Mm. And actually, in the grand scheme of things, they're not that big, you know. They're really not that big. <laughs> Listening audience, have you heard this? Have you heard what she's trying to drill down and actually convey to us? And and uh, what a timely message for, because fear is so prevalent in, in mm. just life itself. But mm. uh, primarily, are, you know, for, where we're more concerned about that is just is how it, how it affects people that are entrepreneurial in, in nature. Correct. And it can be debilitating. It can it can have analysis paralysis and, yes. you know, all the all the things of just just being afraid to take that step and even afraid to even start. Yes. So yes. Mean, overcoming fear is it's so timely, like like I said, for today. So so yes. how can we find you? How can we find you online? And what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yep. So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I have my own website, which is LeticiaSegler.com. And I also have a Twitter account, which is fintech, regtech, at fintech, regtech. Um, so those are the best ways to find me. <laughs> All right. One, hey, one last question I got to ask you since you're in that, that industry. What's your, uh, what's your take on the, the blockchain technology? What's your take on, on Bitcoin and all its little brothers? Yes. Um, I would and we'll say, keep it brief. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So I would say in terms of cryptocurrencies, you know, there's a lot that's going to happen. 
Um, but, you know, just be prudent in terms of what you're investing in. Um, in terms of blockchain itself, the technology itself, I think there's a vast amount of opportunity out there for how it will change industry. Yep. So I think if we start focusing more on the technology itself, we will realize actually what a benefit and how much it can change the way that we currently do things. So I think that's something exciting to, to wait for. Uh, what a way to end the in this interview. Leticia, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, listening audience, it's your turn. It's your turn to uh, listen to this podcast and, and speak into the pain points that she's identified. And as we, we like to say to end every podcast, we want to speak in and add feedback so all boats rise in a rising tide. Leticia, thanks again. Thank you very much, Kevin.